I'm going to hit record. We've all seen the uh, special air quality statement, the big red banner on the weather. We've all seen it. But I didn't notice until this morning, as I was doing the hourly forecast, the hourly forecast says, uh, you know, 14, 16, 18, whatever. But the word smoke is actually in the hourly forecast now. I've never seen that before. No, either have I. My goodness. That's alarming. <laughs> I can see. I can see it's going to be a struggle to get you to take this seriously. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my wife put me in my place again yesterday. Good for her. She thinks one step beyond me quite often. I got to admit, because, again, she's all concerned about the smoke uh, in the air and the kids at school. Are they having recess outside or inside? And a lot of them are being kept inside. And I said, I don't get it. Like, everybody sits around a campfire. What's the big deal? And then, as she said to me, these wildfires are burning houses and cars and gas stations. And there's all sorts of things in the air that, you know, Freddie, Freddie, think about it. That's right. Wouldn't be coming off a a campfire, you idiot. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, right. Yeah, right, Dal. You know, as a matter of fact, they say some of the particles in this are really not like bad news. They're noxious in the smoke. Yeah, exactly. It's like when I burned that, you know, teapot, the rubber from the teapot on the stove in Mexico that released all these noxious fumes. Dan, you know what I'm talking about. I totally know what you're talking about. Dan, 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 everybody. When you burn stuff, you when know, you burn stuff, it's aerosols. So, so when when that happens with doll, what what happens? Do you slink sheepishly away? Do you just look at her and like? Ugh. No, I say you know what? Yeah, good point. Never thought of that. Should have thought of that. Maybe we should get that. doll on the show. She seems to yeah. be an expert, probably. Um, but uh, they're saying tomorrow morning's going to be the worst. It's going to get. Then it's going to dissipate over the weekend, but be bad again on Monday. How they've determined that, I don't know. But the Jays game, uh, last night otherwise should have just been a nice, clear, beautiful night. And how you can talk about the sunset. But uh, the Dome was closed for the game. Uh, Delise and I are going to the game tonight. I imagine it will be closed because of of the air quality, which is a shame. You know, I mean, it's a short summer and well, yeah, that's the other thing days. is yeah. uh, you know you you were i'm, I'm gonna go play golf this morning after the show which i do occasionally and um like i i was out with the dog this morning dan i don't know if you've been outside yet but what's happening and i don't know if this is a meteorological phenomenon but what's happening is the smoke seems to be locking in some chill in the air because it can, can is that possible because we're not like oh, the yeah. temperature it's like 20 degrees, but it's feeling like 20 or 19 or 18. Like the humidity's gone. Dan, well, yeah. you, you, you did uh, weather. Maybe you could weigh uh, in. Uh, no, it, it, it's not so much about the humidity. It's the sun fil- the uh, the smoke is filtering the sun, which would normally warm the earth as soon as the sun rises, right? Yes. So that's, that's uh, what you're it obviously is. feeling that. Well, I'll it's say it again. Though. Was it Sunday we put Darren's docks in, Dan? That day yeah. was such a weird day. I don't ever recall a weirder day than that one because yeah. you looked up in, and yeah, what see terms? the sun huh? in terms of what just the smoke in the air and, and you could see it and you could smell it and you'd look up and it was supposed to be a beautiful clear crisp 
sunny day yeah. and it was above the smoke but you looked up at the smoke and then dan pointed out the reflection a couple of times the sun on objects and the way it looked it was it was something out of a creepy movie or something well, because, uh, you know, as a pilot, I don't know if you know I was a pilot, but as a pilot, I looked at the forecast from Pearson and it's the, in the forecast, it says smoke, but there's no clouds in the forecast. Like it's, these That's are it. clear, they're clear sky days or SKC as we pilots are, <laughs> sky's clear. Um, by the way, the reason I was laughing is I think it was yesterday, was it yesterday morning when you said that uh, on the weekend, because of the smell of the smoke, that you were walking around with that voice here is going, can you smell it? Can you smell it? <laughs> so yesterday, here's the weird thing about me. One of the many weird things about me is yesterday on my own, I kept saying out loud, can you smell it? Can you smell it? You know where that's from? No. Uh, delirious. Remember him talking about farting in the bathtub? <laughs> <laughs> that's smell right. It. Really? Can yeah, you smell that's it? where that's from. Hey, man. Hey, man. I can't take credit for that. But it did make me laugh. Yeah. And, and as far as the uh, sunset, Freddie, uh, and we're going to work backwards in this story, but at the end of our hangout together, Freddie and I came back to my house to get Fred's truck, and that would have been about 8.30-ish, and the haze was in the sky, and the, the sun was sort of low in the sky and i said to fred that's the to live and die in la poster that's that los angeles look you know if you i don't know how much time you've spent there when it's smoggy but it's this is what it looks like in la where there's sort of a where it's sunny but not cloudy it's the weirdest thing i experienced that in athens when we were there many years ago that same sort of just weird atmosphere that's the worst i've ever seen it um in L.A., I mean, I noticed it in L.A., I mean, visually, but I didn't feel it the way we did in uh, in Athens. It was crazy. And that's what we've been going through the last couple of days here, as you say. It's like, I don't ever recall anything like this. And what I don't understand, and maybe the weatherman can help us, you know, the Gulf Stream or the Jet Stream, you know, most of the time it's west to east. Why are we getting smoke from the east so every day? Like, I don't... You'd think it would be getting pushed to the East Coast, right? Like, I don't get that part of it. Well, you'd think that, the, yeah, the upper the upper jet stream normally heads across our country west east. But, Dan, is there something yeah. about this that's trapping the wind in a different way? Well, I haven't followed it. I haven't analyzed it. But there's a system that's off the East Coast. That yeah. If you look, if you look at the, uh, you know, on a weather radar or something like that, you'll see it sort of swirling. Well, and that's, t- the, that's the reason it's it's uh, pushing it from there, and it's pushing it down. Like I, in CNN, uh, CNN had uh, reports yesterday about Canadian fires. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, smoking up mm-hmm. the east uh, in the, in America. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. I want to start the show, and right after we do, I'm going to tell you about the four worst. Here's the thing: two dolls point to you know. You're like, oh, kids sitting around a campfire. We're currently experiencing globally. One of the worst places to live in terms of air quality. I'll give you the top four once we start this show, Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto from our Brampton facility with a pool and Lisa's house in Peterborough. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, Architect Outdoor Living, 
Palma Pasta. And our newest sponsor, Stretch Lab Toronto, helping you improve posture and relaxation and decreasing your stress. And now here are two men who are all fired up to start the show and smoke the competition with their smoldering intellect and blazing insight. Nice. It's Where's That Old COVID Air Purifier, guys? Humble and Fred. Nice, Dan. Well done. Um... In, uh, when, you're, when you're on the course today, you should probably, uh, you know, wear one of those uh, N95 masks you've collected. Well, I don't think you should golf, actually. You know, if he cares his health, he wouldn't golf. Well, clearly I don't. <laughs> um, he doesn't. There's a uh, air quality index, and, uh, like, it's... I'm So I'm going to give you the top five worst places on planet Earth right now. And there's a number associated with it. So let's just assume this number means high. Lahore, Lahore. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Lahore, Pakistan. All right. I'm just waiting for you to jump in with a... Ah, I don't have a good horror joke right now. <laughs> I'm not going to Lahore. I don't pay for it. You know, one of those things you say. Oh, yeah. You, okay. Yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, that's George in English. Oh, yeah. Right? He, you know why he's tired? Because he was out till 8.30 last night. It's very this tiring. Is true. This is true. Lahore. Oh, was that, was that the May? That was a May Potts. May Potts, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, we'll okay. tell you all about that. Okay. Uh, with an, a score of 153. So, a, a pair, so no, no, that number's high. In fourth place, Toronto, Canada. This is globally. With a score of 153, a a, 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 whatever, air quality index. Dhaka, Bangladesh at 164. Doha, Qatar at 169. And New York City, because of all these fires in Quebec, currently has the worst air quality in the world amid smoke from Canadian wildfires. So remember, we were fifth, I'm sorry, fourth worst with a score of 156. New York City clocking in at 194. Wow. So that's worse than Bangladesh, Pakistan, Santiago, Chile, Jakarta, Indonesia, uh, Delhi, India. Well, look, I'm looking at pictures last night of the Yankees game against the White Sox, and it's like crazy. It's like fog is settled in on the field. Yeah. And again, you got to think about all those people. There's a big crowd there. They're breathing that shit in, man. 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 It's time to put a biodome over the cities. It's not to mention the people in Lahore. Um, yeah. Pretty scary, though. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm just keeping Did they warn us about this another last... gap there. Right? Yeah, I know. It's okay. Yeah. Did they warn us about this last week? Because it just seemed to me that I got up on Saturday and thought something's weird in the air, and then by Sunday it had settled in. But I didn't, like, I really didn't know it was coming. Like, I didn't hear any warnings or anything. Uh, did you guys? Like, I, I don't know. I didn't hear any warnings, but I've been seeing it a little bit the last week or so where, again, sunny, potentially sunny days with some haze. Uh, you know, I don't know yeah. if I've told you this. Like, right. I, I can. You know, my eyes are pretty good, you know, in terms of my long range of vision, the whatever that's called. Far vision. Right. What do they call that? Asphyxia or something. Whatever that part of vision, my vision far, is fine. Farsighted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Asphyxia. That's right, Frank. <laughs> no, but there is a big word. Well, yeah, but whatever, whatever that is. Whatever that word is, yeah. So when, when I hit a ball or somebody hits a ball, I can see the ball go out. And for the most part, 
if it's the right conditions, I can actually see it land in the distance. But the last couple of weeks, I've been able to see the ball leave, but as soon as it gets into the haze, I lose it. And everyone's yeah. experiencing that. Whereas because your your perspective and the horizon, whatever that is, the, it just melds into it. And I, and I can't see it beyond that. Well, that was two weeks ago, but I didn't smell it until a couple days ago. Right. That was the first time I smelled it. You know, and it's one of those things where we, you never expect <clears throat> a natural disaster or whatever you want to call this to get this bad. Like, like golfing Monday, you know, at the Tanner Financial Invitational. Um, you know, as Danny said, my son, when he arrived, he said, look at all the forecasts say it's supposed to be sunny. But again, it was like that almost overcast dampy feeling weirdness mm-hmm. and pretty much the whole round the sun was out but it wasn't shining you know it was yep. weird 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 and uh you just like how big are those fires that it's affecting this much it's this it's two things it's the wow. size of the fire and it's the area and no it's not two things it's just one thing it's the size the amount of hectares that are burning right now Think about how much there's burning that's affecting New York. Well, this is it. My buddy, our buddy, or my buddy. Um, our buddy, my John, buddy. John, John Ellison, who lives in Baltimore, he keeps texting me about, what the fuck are you guys doing to us? <laughs> <laughs> um, to, Danny's point, already. to Danny's point about the forecast, again, mm-hmm. playing golf today, I'm looking at the hourly forecast, and it's, it's not getting higher than 20 degrees today. And yeah. every hour has a picture of the sun, you know, a quarter of the sky with clouds, but every hour has the word smoke in it. So something with that smoke is containing, as Dan said, it's not letting the sun warm like it normally would. Because even on a summer's day, if it was only 20 degrees, it would feel generally around here, it usually feels warmer than the temperature. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, anyway. I just wish, and, you know, it's, I feel bad for, uh, you know, my daughter and her husband and my two grandchildren. They had planned a special week this coming week to camp at Sandbanks. Oh, their annual trip. Their annual trip this year in June because, you know, people book and then, and then you know, try to resell the sites at a profit. Like, it's sickening what's going on in this world right now. But um, imagine that. You book campsites. And then resell them to families for like twice what they're worth because that place is so popular. But anyway, they're going, but they may have to cancel because Melanie has a friend that lives in Prince Edward County. And she was sending pictures to Mel yesterday, just a couple of hundred miles or 150 miles east of us. And it's like New York City, like Mm. like the smoke is just so heavy and evident that they may have to cancel. And what's it like you were saying at your place on the weekend? So you're right on a lake. Yeah. But it's still, you could, it was still hazy and. Well, it was convenient though, because Darren wanted us to help him with his dock and my cell phone wasn't working. So I sent him smoke signals. And uh, <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Through the smoke. The message. <laughs> He got the message. Yeah. <laughs> was this, was yeah. the message, can you smell it? Because we actually were on First Nations land, and you must always remember that. Oh, that's right. And I sent him the signals. And Dan, 
Do you, you want a graphic? Coming. If you want a graphic uh, <laughs> representation of the smoke and a forecast, yes, of I the do. Smoke coming in, go to firesmoke.ca. All right, let's do it. Hey, Dan, firesmoke.ca. Dan, while we're doing this, do you think? Yes. It would be. Uh, do you think you want to uh, do a land acknowledgement before the show now? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm good with that. Um, and you know what's interesting too? Uh, another interesting. Oh, okay. Can you play the interesting sound? Hang on please? a second. How interesting? Very interesting. Like a campfire. Oh my right? god! Yeah. When a campfire is going intensely, there's very little smoke. It's as it dies down and starts to smolder that you get the smoke. So all these things, all these fires that are raging, you're not getting a lot of smoke from them. But as they dissipate and it smolders, this is where all the smoke's coming from. And that's why those areas of smoldering are massive. So this, this, you should go to this while we're doing this bit because, Dan, the, this uh, website, firesmoke.ca, has an interactive map. And you can see... Like right near us here in Toronto, there's that red splotch. Um, yeah. Like it's really close, and, and of course, and it's going down to New York City. But it's uh, it ain't no joke. It's not like we're getting like some residual smoke. It's burning close to us. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's too bad, man. Because uh, you know, and then I'm reading yesterday, almost like a get used to it. Listen, even on a smaller scale, what's one of the first observations I made of the trailer park this year, Dan? How dry it was when we yeah. arrived in May. Every mm-hmm. Usually, when you open up in May, there's a hill behind us, and there's water running off the, ro- off the hill and across the road and down to the lake. In fact, often, as you're walking up, you can actually hear it. This year, arrive on opening day, and everything is dry as a bone, man. Mm-hmm. Dry as a bone. A little disturbing to the point of almost being a little disturbing. It's like this isn't right. It's never been like this before. This dry this early. Um, you know, and then you know this leads uh, to our continuing uh, discussion of uh, climate change. Clima. Here is a, a clip. <clears throat> excuse me, of Senator Ron Johnson and a fucking Republican nitwit. And this is a real issue. Well, it's one of the many issues. This is an issue. And just have a listen to this guy. This guy is actually a a Republican senator. Like it's like a it's like the Congress people can be dumb, but there's only about fifty of these guys. I actually found that chart of yours somewhat comforting for at least America. When you take a look at uh, the mortality risk, again, these are all projections. I don't I don't put any stock in them whatsoever. His point is, climate change is going to be good for the U.S. Listen, in terms of excess deaths. A warming globe is actually beneficial. In my own state, your your study shows that uh, we'd have. Oh yeah, this guy's from Wisconsin. The reduction mortality of somewhere between fifty four and fifty six. I'll, I'll save you the the agony. His oh, his point uh, is that warming does kills less people than colding. It's people per, <laughs> I guess, it's hundred thousand. Why wouldn't we take comfort in that? Why wouldn't we take comfort in that, he says. Why wouldn't we take comfort in the fact that the globe is getting warmer? Uh, so thanks for the question. Uh, and then this expert, what Dr. The Michael Greenstone, shows, the, the one of my is, people. Uh, that the effect- you know, say these, these, at these congressional hearings, the experts are always, you know, members of the tribe. Climate change are going to be very unequal. 
Uh, and absolutely. And then, Freddie, he does this thing. Chicago, the senator does I, this thing uh, in a second. Where I live. The reduction in cold days, the benefits from that will outweigh uh, the damages from the hot days. But if you look more carefully at that, there's large swatches of the country uh, where the damages will be much larger. Uh, and in fact, I, I but, but again, but again, if you want to balance, if you want to balance it off, so and then anyway, he goes on to talk over in which they all do those Republicans, and, yeah. So he tries to get into a, bit, a debate with a scientist. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's trying to do. And, yeah, but basically, yeah. that's, and that, so that's usually a good. His uh, good his tactic. whole takeaway is yeah. cold kills more people than hot. What a fucking idiot! But you know what? I and mean? that's the and problem. He, and he's a senator. Like, yep. People like you would think that would be enough. Right there to not get re- reelected, but again, these g- just say what the dumbos that live in that country want to hear, and, <laughs> right. and you got yourself a paycheck. Understand this, Dan? <laughs> He's saying climate change is not a problem because Wisconsin is too cold. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. <clears throat> and, and again, I don't get. I, I, again, I get back to what is the point of denying it? Like, I don't, like what? Like, I, why? I don't know. Because it's good a lot of corporations don't want to hear about it because it might impede their business. And yeah. these guys are in bed with these guys. Like, oh, the lobbyists and all this stuff. Well, again, I just answered. That's the answer. You know, this guy's, you know, on the take, I'm sure, on several levels. As sure. most American politicians <laughs> are. And they don't want to hear about climate change because it might affect the bottom line. Hey, Daniel, love this. One of the uh, responses is one of those, you know, a meme or a meme, whatever. It says it's logic like that. Why the aliens haven't come back to our planet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listen, Dan Duran, will you come back? Will Dan Duran come back and do the news later on? Of course. Dan, we should do our entire show one day as a musical. Uh, Daniel. (laughs) Okay. uh, Because we're going to have to switch gears here, the Fred man and I, and talk about uh, one of the uh, big issues yesterday. And we're going to get to the May Potts dinner. It was really, really nice. Saw a lot of people on radio. It was a very pleasant evening. I I only spilled food once. I don't even know if it got on me. I saw you. Yeah, I know. You were so quick. You're like, I saw that. I'm like, all right. Calm down. I said, I saw that. Was there ketchup on it? Because <laughs> I thought you'd have a big swatch of like ketchup on your shirt or something. Listen, I was hoping for that. I know you were. And and just I'll say this: the first round of those fries were too. They were cold. They were not warm. And the well, chicken sandwich was nobody, yeah, one. Well, nobody went. To I kept saying, "When do we go? When do we go?" And you're like, "Well, we're getting." Well, I want to be the first. Well, they were okay. Um, but we're going to get to the like pigs. Well, we are pigs. And by the way, there were other people that had eaten before. When I had said they were, it doesn't matter. Uh, what does matter are these people. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about Bodog. Yeah. Um, listen, uh, the third game of the Stanley Cup final tomorrow night. So we won't deal with that. What I will tell you about is uh, the line has changed a bit for the RBC Canadian Open, which begins tomorrow morning. Uh, Rory McIlroy now at plus 600. Yesterday he was plus 500. All right. And is it Terrell Hatton, you say? Terrell Hatton, how? Terrell Hatton, yes. Yes, plus 1,200. And Cameron Young, plus 1,600. So those are your three sort of favorites uh, going into the RBC Canadian Open, which begins tomorrow at Oakdale. In the uh, smoke, I guess. Which is going to be weird, too, because CBS and uh, it's going to be here for the weekend. Oh, yeah. 
it's going to be an issue. Anyway, uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That is Bodog. Let me tell you about Boron One. Nothing Boron. <laughs> Nothing Boroning. Uh, about this, nothing boring about Aaron Ventures. We've been talking about this company that is trying to get um, boron out of the ground. Only one of five places on planet Earth actually can be mined commercially. And boron, if you haven't figured out already, is on everything. It's ubiquitous, as I like to say. Uh, Aaron Ventures is an emerging international junior mining exploration company. I often say, you know, we can't recommend, you know, as a... In terms of an investment, but we can say, why don't you get your people or one of our people, the retirement Sherpa, on this? Because the company's objective is to increase its mineral reserves by developing current properties. And they've got one you should look at. Uh, More information and uh, all kinds of uh, investment information at AaronVentures.com. It trades under the ticker single symbol Boron One or some version of that, you know. Um. We have a few minutes. Our guest today is very interesting. He is a pretty interesting actor named Ronnie Marmo, and his uh, he's a playwright and an actor. And um, he's uh, doing a one man show called "I'm Lenny Bruce," and it's coming to town. It's been all over the states, and it's directed by Tony Award winner Joe Mantegna from you know Criminal Minds and all kinds of things you've seen Joe in, and uh, so. Ronnie's going to be on the show. We're going to do like a you know, typical 15-minute interview with him. And so we've got about 15 minutes or so before we get to him. He's uh, doing this one-man show about Lenny Bruce, and I thought it would be interesting. He was uh, you know, one of the very first guys, Lenny Bruce, to ever really... He sort of cracked the modern stand-up code, you know? He went from the old-school guys telling jokes and such, and... Lenny Bruce was put in jail and charged and because in the late 50s and early 60s, you couldn't say things on stage and cops would come to a show. It was quite a story. Yeah, and he would, you know, he put craft and uh, over um, over money. Yeah. It's, you know, not a lot of guys will do that. Well, that's a great segue, actually, of... Mm-hmm. Sort of the biggest topic uh, trending yesterday, certainly in the world of sports, was the fact that the uh, Live Tour, which we've touched on a little bit here. I've talked about it over the last couple of years. It was a breakaway tour funded by the uh, Saudi Arabians, uh, the PIF fund, uh, whatever. That's a professional investment fund. And it had a lot of different moving parts to it. But the basics were that a bunch of PGA Tour stars and some from the European Tour were given huge sums of money to go play for this breakaway tour. Forget whether the formatics were different. They were playing three rounds and no cuts and blah, blah, blah. And they had team. It doesn't matter. But the big issue was a big a bunch of stars. Rory McIlroy, uh, Tiger Woods, John Rahm. The top guys in that sport didn't take the money. And yesterday it was announced that the PGA Tour, the European Tour, which is aligned with the PGA Tour, and this live tour, the PIF fund, we're going to put away their differences and come together in a merger. Probably 
I can't think of another, you know, maybe going back to when the NFL and the AFC, whatever, merged together. Similar but different because there wasn't the contentiousness. Even when the WHA merged with the NHL, there wasn't the hurt feelings. And, and, and there's so many aspects of it. But these are my opening remarks. I'll throw it to you if you have any questions. Um, honestly, I don't really fully understand it. I've been reading some stuff like they're merging. But again, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Hockey, hockey leagues merge. They're going to play hockey. But you, as you said, there's formatic differences and everything. So they're merging. So what? What does that mean? They can well. They haven't cl- PGA guy can play in the live tournament, and live tournament guys can play in the PGA. Like, well, so what is the difference? It's a great question, Fred Patterson, uh, sports guy. It's a great question, and and they haven't fleshed that out. The seasons. On the PGA Tour for the rest of 23 will be the same, and the rest of the Live Tour will be the same until 2024. This happened in such secrecy. It took, like, nobody on the PGA Tour, they no one, a bunch of the players all found out yesterday. But why it's significant is this. Because both companies, Live and the PGA Tour, were suing each other in these huge antitrust lawsuits. It was going, and I talked about this too with you a little bit on the way to the gig last night. It was going to cost the PGA Tour hundreds of millions of dollars and years and years of being in court to defend this. And, and in an antitrust suit, from what I've read since I talked to you last night, there was going to be a lot of things coming out in discovery that neither side wanted. Kind of like how what? Fox. Like what? But I was going to say, kind of like how Fox settled with Dominion because they didn't want some of the things that were going to become public. I don't know, Fred, but there's a lot of stuff going on in these organizations that they didn't want aired out in public. So that was number one. The other thing was, you know, I'll get into the 9-11 families in a second, but Jay Monahan is is the commissioner. He's the Gary Bettman of the PGA Tour. He came to Canada yesterday. By the way, the the RBC Canadian Open is the big loser in this because last year the, the live controversy was just starting. This year, this is the biggest story in golf. And unfortunately, the Canadian Open is going to get kind of pushed aside in terms. Anyways, Monaghan was here in Toronto yesterday at a meeting of the players, and apparently they were calling for his resignation because they were blindsided by this. Well, again, as a guy that's, you know, one step removed from this let me interview and ask you some questions that i'm sure that people are thinking do they not have a players association they do so how like in any other sport the players association would be consulted before an announcement was made they weren't how do they explain that how because jay monahan and a handful of people negotiated this thing monahan his whole spin is this is for the benefit of all and what I think it really is, is for the benefit of getting rid of these lawsuits. But how can he make that arbitrary decision without consulting the very people that make it possible, the players? Again, I don't know. He did. And that's why this is going to blow up. This is all blowing up. Here, is it one of the things that one of the many things that's going to piss these guys off is Rory McIlroy. Again, if you're even right. if you're a casual golf fan, you've heard of the guy. He's won the Canadian Open the last two years in a row, and he's pretty famous. Mm-hmm. He turned. So I'll just give you some perspective. Dustin Johnson, Gretzky's son-in-law, 
got $150 million to sign with this league last year, basically, two years ago. And, and at the time, this PGA Tour commissioner said, and I can get you the quote, nobody who leaves this tour is ever going to play again on the PGA Tour as long as I'm commissioner. He basically said anyone that goes to live will lose their PGA Tour membership forever. So all these guys, like here's what I'm getting to. So Rory McIlroy, who is way bigger in the sport of golf than Dustin Johnson was last year. Mm-hmm. As I said to you in the car, what could he have gotten? 400 million, 350 million wouldn't be out of the question because he's a global superstar. Dustin Johnson taking nothing away from him. He's he's globally well known, but not like Rory McIlroy. So what does Rory what does Rory McIlroy say to Monahan today? I turned down 400 million dollars last year just so mm-hmm. I could so I, so these guys could come back. So there's that. And to me, that is huge. When you, I had forgotten about that aspect, and you brought that up last night. I'm thinking, yeah, what a slap in the face to the guys that showed some loyalty to the PGA. Like, wow. Rumor was wow. here's a here's another one. Rumor was now Phil Mickelson got two hundred million dollars. Fifty one year old, at kind of a con- of his career. at the end of his career. Yeah. But what would Tiger? So the rumor was that they offered Tiger Woods seven hundred and fifty million dollars to become the face of Live Golf. Now Tiger's already got a billion, but I don't care how much money you have. The rumor was he got offered three quarters of a billion to go. What does Tiger Woods say to Jay Monahan? I defended you guys. Like I said, there's all this audio out there. When Jay, Mon- and I'm going to get to the nine eleven people now. So the families of nine eleven victims have been protesting at live golf events in the states for the last couple of years because say what you want about the entanglement of sports and sports washing lots of sponsorship and lots of american companies including rbc a canadian company do business and invest in saudi arabia they just do you have to be naive to think that there's not entanglement the u.s government the for whatever professional investment fund is you know part of a lot of people's portfolios listening to this show but because it was directly funded by the saudi arabians the 9-11 families were thinking hey these are the people that you know 19 of the 23 hijackers were saudi arabian so jay monahan pledged to them as long as i'm commissioner this tour will never be associated with these Saudi. This was last year. This isn't 10 years ago. Never so, be what? Never be associated with this league. He assured, yeah. he assured these people, these, these families whose loved ones died on 9-11, that he would never have the, the PGA Tour would never be involved directly with the Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going mm-hmm. on. So this guy's got to go. I don't know how he keeps his job. Like I was listening to that thing I was listening to when you came on the, the show when we were yeah. before the show was basically one of my favorite. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I love him. Brandel Chambly breaking it all down. He's been one of the biggest critics uh, of this thing because, you know, do you know, like, like in Saudi Arabia, they still they have this law. I can't remember the name of it, but it basically means that women are owned by men. You know, well, this is it. Jamal Khashoggi was cut up, was killed and, and mm-hmm. bone sawed by these same people. Yes. You know, I overheard something you were listening to and they were saying, um, you know, PGA players, unlike um, 
other athletes who have to answer to teammates and answer to teams and organizations. They're all sort of independent contractors, as you explained, and the power that they could have or did have through this. And, you know, those who decided not to go, maybe those decisions were made on principle that I don't want to take money from these people. So that's just another layer to this. What if I'm a PGA player and I turn down the money because I'm very principled and I want nothing to do with the Saudis? And now all of a sudden, because of this guy at the top, all of a sudden now I'm involved with Saudis. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't my decision. Like, it's it really is something. Oh, yeah. It's... um that's why I said to you yesterday when we got in the car, I said, it's one of the biggest sports stories, you know, certainly. Well, it transcends sports. Exactly. Because you got, you go from the nine 11 people, families, you've got sponsorship, you've got athletes. I just, I just, I could give you a list of 10 or 12 huge stars on the PGA tour. Maybe guys you wouldn't know, but guys like Justin Thomas and John Rom, the top five guys in the world basically stayed on on principle Rory McIlroy is already worth a couple hundred million dollars he stayed and he's right. been def- here's the thing Rory McIlroy has been the spokesperson for people staying and now he's got to go and now and and they when they came out of that meeting in Toronto uh yesterday at the at Oakdale the site of the Canadian Open there was just nothing but pissed off PGA Tour players yeah and and because Jay Monahan really doesn't have, there's no path. He said we need to create a path forward, but they don't have the details of how the league's going to look, who's going to own it. But basically, this could all now the PGA Tour could all be owned by the Saudi Arabians. So why would they even announce this now? And again, getting back to the beginning, why announce it now when they don't even have a plan? And number two, again, without consulting the players, it's. It's really bold, man. Like, wow, no wonder the players are pissed off. And as I say, it transcends sports. I mean, if this was applied in any business, it would be unfair. I think they announced it yesterday because it was going to leak. I think that they Um, hurriedly put it, put the announcement together. And that's just my opinion. That's what a lot of people have been saying, that because you ask a good question without an actual plan forward, here's how we're going to merge. Basically, they they threw this thing together because it was about to break. And you uh, made the point last night, which is true. Rory McIlroy could go to them today and say, oh, OK, I like your little merger, but there's an uh, an issue here of 400 million. So yeah. if this is going forward, are the Saudis going to send me that check that I was offered? Yeah, because now you've sucked me into this. So where's my money? So I, I, and I, you know, and you know what? That's not too. They have so much money. That's not far out of that's not far um, away from uh, reality. Oh, absolutely. Happening. They could cut those guys checks easily. Well, there's some provision. Apparently, there's something. There's a couple things. I don't want to get into the minutia of it, but some some of it is basically Phil Mickelson was given a hundred million up front and was going to be paid thirty three million for three years. This the term of his contract. So there's some talk of those guys having to forfeit like a couple of years of the deals they signed. But what I said to you is if I was Rory McIlroy, I'd say, okay, Jay, I was offered somewhere around $350 million to go last year. Have them write me a check and you, and you send me a five page apology for me, for me sticking up for you guys 
Right. In every interview, like Rory McIlroy, and before every, he's, he's the biggest star. Before every tournament he's in, he has to go and do a press conference. In every press conference for 18 months, it's been, hey, Rory, what do you think of this and that? And it's all been about live golf. But even beyond all of that, from a moral standpoint, what if I'm a golfer and there are those people that can look at their bank account and say, you know, I have more money than I'll ever need. I don't want to be associated with Saudi, with the Saudis in Saudi Arabia. I don't want any of my money, any of my income to come from there, you know, because of 9-11 and because they, you know, the way they treat human beings and women and in that country. What if you're one of those guys? Just on principle, just on morals. Like, no, I don't want to be part of this. I don't know. Like, they deserve the play. Like anything else, right? It should go to a vote. Well, the way it's, first of all, I agree with you. Like, if if there, and there might be some guys, McElroy included, but the problem is then where do you play? But so the way, from what I understand from, since I saw you last night and I did some more reading and I was watching the Golf Channel, obviously. And, um, so it's sort of ass backwards. Monaghan made this deal. And by the way, so did our friend Keith Pelly. But not to dis, you know, to dis Keith Pelly, but in the grand scheme of things, the European or the DP World Tour, whatever it's called now, is kind of a third leg of this. It's not quite the biggest player. Mm-hmm. So what I understand now is at this point, they're going to go to the players and say, okay, we've made this deal. Now they're going to go to the Players' Council. There's five of them. McElroy is one of the guys on that board. And then there's a larger board uh, that Mac- that can- Canadian Mackenzie Hughes is on. He was tweeting about this like crazy yesterday. I'll tell you, I, I was going to pick out a clip of a Canadian golfer named Adam Hadwin. And I don't have it in front of me. And I, I, I wanted to pick it out because it was a minute and 30 seconds and I'm going to put it under the category, the difference between golfers and other athletes. This guy was so articulate, so well-spoken, so just on point. And I thought, you know, that's really the difference because most golfers go to university and most of them stay there for four years because they want to be part of the NCAAs, blah, 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 and get degrees, like real degrees. You know, some of them have gone to schools like Stanford. Mm -hmm. So when you hear a guy like Adam Hadwin talk, it was really, really well crafted anyway. So I don't know, dude. Those are all great questions. And the only other question I would have is, what are all the lawsuits about? Like, what are they about? You know, we're starting this league. Do you want to join it? Yes. Do you? No. Like, like what are the lawsuits? I don't, well, antitrust, restraint of trade, way, way beyond my understanding. Okay. No, but, I get but it. But there was antitrust on both sides for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. The problem is the PGA Tour, which is a lot of money, doesn't have the kind of money that the Saudis have. Right. Uh, okay, I hope that explains it. And uh, now we're going to switch gears and talk comedy. And, um, yeah, this is pretty fascinating to... Uh, a lot of people, I think. And uh, let's wait till Ronnie checks in. Hey, Ron- Ronnie, how are you, my friend? Good morning, Howard. Hey, uh, let me just introduce you properly. I, uh, we've been uh, very excited about you uh, coming on our program. Uh, on uh, June 21st to the 25th, the uh, Teton Toronto Jewish Theatre will present the international premiere of I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce at the Meridian Arts Centre. As I mentioned earlier, directed by uh, Joe Montagna. Ronnie is a, a playwright and actor who joined an, uh, enjoyed a three-year run on ABC's uh, Soap General Hospital. And uh, 
He's uh, put this together uh, with the uh, blessing of uh, Lenny, the Lenny Bruce Foundation and Bruce's daughter, Kitty Bruce. And let's get right to it. Welcome to our program, Ronnie Marmel. Ronnie, where do we find you today? Where, where are you uh, Zooming us from? I'm in Los Angeles at 5.15 a.m. Dude, so. thank you very much. Committed. I'm committed. Yes. I'll tell you when you get here. We were just talking about this on our show. We've we've had uh, a couple of weeks of these wildfires, and uh, the air quality in Toronto is very much like a typical day in L.A. So you'll yeah. feel very much at home when you get here. That's amazing. Yeah, I actually heard about him. Uh, my uh, my brother-in-law. He's in Montclair, New Jersey, and sent us pictures. Yeah. and you can see it in the sky, in Montclair, New Jersey. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where yeah, to start. I, I but- saw your Yankee. No, I said I, I saw your Yankee mug there too. Apparently, the game last night you could hardly see across the field. I know. Yankees. It's wild. Yeah. Nuts. Well, we were talking about New York, and you, New York and Toronto are in the top four worst places on earth. On earth, not just North America, mm-hmm. for air quality right now. Again, so you should be used to it. Um, I don't know where to start with you. Uh, I think we all know who Lenny Bruce is. Where did your fascination with Lenny Bruce? as a human being start and then how did it lead to you doing this show so when i was growing up i'm a little young for lenny uh i knew of him but you know i grew up listening to carlin and Pryor, and and, you know that's who i loved and my parents i i knew of lenny bruce and i'd say about i guess about 15 years ago this wonderful comic named charlie brill i don't know if you know brilla mccall they're an old school comedy team uh and jack burns and all these guys i know these guys and i see them weekly they let me have lunch with them so Charlie said to me one day, do you know who Lenny was? And I said, yeah, I, I do a little bit, not much. But he said, you remind me of Lenny. I was like, oh, he's like, uh, somebody wrote a play for me to do a one man show. It's called Lenny's Back and Boys He Pissed. And he said, uh, why don't you do it and I'll direct it? And I said, Charlie, I don't know. Lenny's friends are still alive. They're probably 75. You know, they're, they're in L.A. So after two years, he talked me into it. Finally. I read the play. I start to do my research. And I was like, wow, this guy was pretty remarkable. So I fell in love with the guy. And and I realized we had so many similarities as well. And so we did the show, ran six months, uh, did very well. We had so many old school, Joanne Worley, Pat Harrington, all these people come and see the show. And I guess I was doing it right because we got critics picked on all the papers. And then we, I put it down for five years. Then I was like, you know, I really want to revisit that material. I pick it up again. I do it for another six months. And then one day I woke up and I realized, I was like, I think I'm leaving something out of this show. We weren't doing his material. We were talking about the material. So I went to the playwright. I said, hey, why don't we put some of his bits in the show? Let's let's do it. He goes, nah, my play's written. And I said, okay, I understand. So I went off to write my own. And it took me five years. <laughs> and I just wanted to tell... I mean, the other show was great, and it was a wonderful introduction to Lenny, but it just felt like I wanted to tell the whole story, and warts and all, you know? And uh, and so that's what we did. And uh, we've been running six years, if you can believe it. Wow. Yeah. Why did you love him so much? Um... I identified with his personal life a lot. You know, he was, I had a single mom, his love for his mom. Uh, as a kid, uh, as a teenager, I, I went through the addiction. I was lucky enough to get through it. He wasn't. So I identified with that struggle. Um, I just appreciated that he 
he was a real intellect. He was, he was, you know, I don't pretend I'm this guy, but he was normally the smartest guy in the room, yeah. which is why we're so tough on him. Uh, they were threatened by him. So I don't know what it was. It just was, as an actor, it's very rare to get to do something that not only do you identify with so much instinctually, internally, but that people care about. And it was, and it was a perfect storm with First Amendment, free speech, just... Our country, I don't know if you noticed. Oh, yes, we, yeah, we, <laughs> we noticed. Yeah, we've noticed a thing or two down there. Um, I don't know what's going on down here. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a little older than you, I, I, but as a kid, one of the first, I used to read a lot of autobiographies, and I was interested in comedy, and all the comedians you mentioned I've seen on, you know, Ed Sullivan, and, and when I read this autobiography of Lenny Bruce, it sort of was interesting to me for a lot of reasons, not the least of which, he really kind of invented modern stand-up. But but he came out of a world of just one-liners and Jackie Vernon and and uh, you know on and on the the, the way that and, and he and he took the form and all the people you mentioned Carlin Pryor everyone who came after Lenny Bruce are basically oh Dave Chappelle they owe their beginnings to he was the, the he invented rock and roll basically as far as stand up goes and I don't know that a lot of people realize that there's so much material not only the comedic material as I was saying to Freddie before he came on the guy was arrested for using language that we use on this podcast all the time that you can use on stage no listen I did stand up in LA I, I swore all the time because Lenny Bruce made it legal maybe talk a little bit about that from a historical standpoint yeah you know you're you're right on point i mean lenny paved the way for those guys and all the way down to you know Chappelle, chris rock all of, and so lenny was the first guy to get on stage and not really have a set routine he just you know would pick up the newspaper and just start riffing about what was going on and you know language was certainly an issue obviously he got arrested they would say his his act was obscene and he got arrested for obscenity. But, you know, I think they were really just threatened by him more than anything. You know, the first time he got arrested was in Chicago in 61. It was for a bit called Religions Incorporated. And there wasn't one curse word in the bit. He just had the Pope Jewish. It was very funny, you know. And and he, uh, they, a Catholic cop was offended and, and locked him up. And so there began, you know, the another time he was talking about Jackie Kennedy, on stage and he was you know talking about time magazine and how they made her out to be this hero and what he his argument you know he said she could have just been running to get help or or she was just afraid could be that right but they made her out to be this thing so as soon as the cops heard that they're like oh you can't talk about jackie o like that let's let's lock him up so it was definitely words were a huge issue but really they didn't know what to do with him because he he wasn't afraid to just tell the truth mm-hmm. you know yeah, and, and let's appreciate, I mean, he wasn't broadcasting this stuff. He wasn't on radio or television. He was in private clubs and mm-hmm. being arrested. And again, that's not really that long ago, 50 years ago. Like, it's it's something else. And again, no wonder so many people are, you know, pound the First Amendment drum when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, he got arrested, I think it was in 63, for saying schmuck in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Well, and Ronnie, you make a great point Mm because you reminded me that his first Mm -hmm. few arrests were not for saying any filthy words. He was Mm -hmm. just doing somewhat anti-religious material again. And if you you know on any stage in anywhere in North America tonight, you can hear people saying way worse stuff than he said in nineteen sixty and one. 
Well, talk a little bit, too, about, you know, you said uh, about addiction. Lenny Bruce died at the age of 40 in 1966. Mm-hmm. And maybe talk a little bit about how, you know, he went from, because he was really funny, but he went from being really funny to being sort of wrapped up in all the turmoil of all these court cases and less funny and more sort of, I think it was heroin that it was, uh, he was addicted to, right? Yes, he, yes, yes, it's true. Uh, yeah, he, you know, he became obsessed with the trial. I mean, yeah. you know, you made a great point, Frederick, before about uh, he was in these private clubs. I mean, his argument, there was a time when he fired all his lawyers and represented himself. And he went home and he studied the law and he was brilliant. And his big argument, one of the arguments was, uh, if you know, if you want to go into a strip club and watch a stripper and you're going to pay for that, then that's legal. Why can't people come pay for, for my act? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was so simple. It was like obvious. It was ridiculous. And you're like, that's it. It didn't matter. They had a problem with it. It didn't matter what he said or what he did. So, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know what to say other than, you know, he was he was so important. Um, language was an issue for sure. But really, it was I just like I said, I just think they were. They were threatened by him and wanted to kind of shut him up, you know? Yeah, and it really was something because obviously it cost him a lot of money, as I said to Howard. I mean, when you put your craft ahead of dollars, I mean, that's pretty noble to begin with, especially in that competitive field. But what was it about him that, like, he just took it right to the end? It's bizarre, really. Yeah, he was so uh, authentic in his beliefs, you know? That's why a lot of times you'll see a comic now or some sort of, you know, artist and they'll be like okay here's gonna be my shit here's gonna be my act i'm gonna go in i'm gonna but whatever that looks like you know but he wasn't like that he really meant what he was saying uh even with religious it might have felt like anti-religious uh bits but really what he was doing was holding a mirror up to society and just asking questions and it really you know he had a great line he said every day people are leaving the church and finding god you know? <laughs> <laughs> and like, get them off the stage you know they hated that there's god in it, though. there's truth in it so i think i think he had this fire in his belly that he was just really authentic about it he wasn't trying to like find his his shtick it just was the truth you know i think sometimes you know looking back uh, fred and i talked about a, a famous interview done by this guy when John Lennon and uh, Yoko Ono came to Montreal, I think it was late 60s, and they did this bed-in. It was a very famous thing. And there was this guy, Al Cap, was his name? Yes. Who the was cartoonist. The cartoonist, who was a right, sort of a conservative mm-hmm. voice. And Anyway, Al Cap was mocking John Lennon and Yoko Ono because of this sit-in for love or whatever the situation was. And history, wasn't, history hasn't been kind to Al Cap. You know, and I think about the people that the cop that arrested him, the people that charged him, the people in that world, the zeitgeist of New York and all that. Lenny Bruce, we're still talking about Lenny Bruce almost 60 years later. And all of those people have been forgotten. And ironically, Lenny Bruce has been vindicated over and over again. But as you because as you said, Ronnie, about the, you know, First Amendment free speech that's going on even now that sort of owes its origins to what Lenny Bruce was doing on stage before most people listening to this were born. Oh, there's no doubt. It's it's crazy. Uh, you know, it was kind of a perfect storm. Everyone was like, Ronnie, you're, it's brilliant. You wrote this play at the perfect time. I'm like, listen, I'm not that smart. I, I got kind of lucky, to be honest. You know, it was like I was 
passionate about this. And I, so I wrote it and brought Joe Montaigne in. And, and so I was really passionate about it, but it turns out that, you know, it was the perfect storm. And uh, look, whenever we book this show around the country and now internationally, I'm excited to come to Toronto. Whenever we book this show, people are always like, ah, I don't know if we could do it. Sonny Bruce. I don't know. You know, the presenters are like, ah, I'm like, it's like doing Beatles covers, right? <laughs> You're very reluctant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, but but more so, they think like they're going to get in trouble. Oh, right. Mm. Oh, you know, like they can't do this show. It's right. Like, I go, my show is tame. I promise you. It's, you know, it's edgy. It certainly has a, a, a you know. It's certainly in your face. I mean, I guarantee you there's a guy on stage at Yuck Yucks tonight doing way worse material in terms know. of language and content. Trust me. But, what, it's only what, I have to talk him into it. I'm like, here we are again. I'm sticking up for Lenny yeah. in the same way he was sticking up for himself. So I understand, you know. But when it came to politics and especially religion, how much of the scrutiny was because he was Jewish at the time? Would he would he have been under the same microscope if he wasn't Jewish? Was did that rub doing an, that's a good way? point doing anti Catholic material, yes. mm-hmm. talking about the Pope being Jewish? Yeah, you know that's a really interesting question. I never really funny to say this. I never really looked at it from that perspective. I I think um, yeah maybe some of it had to to do with that, but I think I think maybe because he was Jewish and not afraid to nobody was off limits even right. Jewish. Mm-hmm. So, he, he was he would look at anything and examine it and uh he saw things he had a very funny mind and and as you said before it was really sad howard because ultimately he lost that at towards the end and wasn't funny anymore it kind of you know in a, in a weird way another guy that both freddie and i admire um george carlin toward the end of carlin's mm-hmm. career became less funny and more you know sort of aiming for profundity but he, he had lost sort of the <clears throat> the rhythm of his earlier material. Um, I said, before I forget, because I will, I'm getting old. But uh, for the last five years, there's a show called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm sure you're aware of it. And the guy that plays Lenny on that is uh, he grew up about an hour from here in Hamilton, Ontario. It's a guy named Luke Kirby. Have you seen his portrayal? I saw a little bit of it. I saw it in the beginning a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, and sure, I'm aware. I probably get asked about Maisel and my opinion five times a day. Well, really? I, I, I'll tell you why I brought it. I brought it up because I thought he did a nice job and also because he's a local kid. You know, well, you have to move forward. Listen, I think he did great. You know, here's the truth. Like, Lenny Bruce, that show is awesome. I've only seen about two or three episodes, but everyone loves the show. Right. I know it was coming to a close now uh that show's awesome people love it the way i feel about the lenny on that show and luke's portrayal i think luke's a really good actor i think the way i feel about it is is like it's, it's equivalent to almost like how i felt about the first play i was doing it's like a fun kind fairy godmother lenny bruce yes which, by the way they that's how they reference him in the show, so I'm not saying anything out of, out of turn. I am beyond grateful for that show. Talk about the perfect storm, free speech. We had that president here, that Donald Trump. Yeah, we heard of him. <laughs> for a couple of years. And we had Marvelous Mrs. Maisel all at the same time. Right. And so an entire generation has been introduced to Lenny Bruce because of Maisel, because of Luke. And I'm beyond grateful as an actor, as a producer. When I wrote this play, I thought I was going to spend my entire career in Florida. You know what I'm saying? 
I thought it would be up and going up and down Florida. All the little eighty-year-old little Jewish people go, "Oh, he's so funny." Let's <laughs> and then Maisel turned changed the game. And so for us, because I look at my audience, half my audience is twenty-five years old. Yeah. I'm like, and I, I really so so I'm beyond grateful. I got nothing but love for, mm-hmm. for betrayal. Uh, some of the cast members saw me do it. Luke did not. I invited him, but he wasn't. Even, so, by speaking of, uh, well, not I was going to not competition, but of. The original play that you did, that you started off this conversation talking about, and you came to that playwright and you said, hey, I think we should maybe throw a few things in. He said, no, my play is written. <clears throat> Has he seen your play and what does he think of it? Sam Bobrick passed away a couple of years ago, uh, so he did not get to see it. Um, but he did give me his blessing and he's a sweetheart. He understood what I was trying to do. He didn't have the rights to the material. So he was afraid he didn't want to deal with that. I understood that. So what we would do is we would talk about the material. Mm-hmm. As I said, it was very much like, hey, come meet Lenny Bruce. This is cool, man. It's groovy. You know? And my play, to give you, a, you know, not to, a spoiler alert here, I start my play dead naked on the toilet the first moment. And so it's a very different mm-hmm. production. So <laughs> yeah, I would say. That was like, hey, man, sit around a campfire. Let's talk Lenny. And this one's mm-hmm. like, it's up. There's a dead naked guy. Uh, my show's very funny, but it's also a tragedy. People, I've, somebody said to me recently, they go, this is the funniest tragedy I've ever seen in my life. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and that's Lenny's life. And so, so I, every, every step of the way with the first play I did with Maisel, every step of the way, it's been, uh, leads me to the next thing. So I'm just proud of the trajectory of the show um, before you mentioned Howard, you mentioned the uh, autobiography, how to talk dirty and influence people. No. I'm uh, I don't know if, if you know this, but now I'm the I'm the voice. I I recorded the the uh, audio book. Wow! And if you get the audio book now, it's me reading the book as Lenny. So it's cool. Well, I wanted to ask you about that, Ronnie, because you know, I mean, I've seen you know Dustin Hoffman's version, now Luke Kirby's version. Uh, there's audio of Lenny actually speaking. Do it, so, and I watched some of your stuff this morning. Is it an impression or a characterization? How would you, uh, what are you doing when you do Lenny Bruce? You know, I wish someone else was here to talk about it because it's a little, it's a little, you know, wacky me talking about my own performance. But the best, I'll tell you what others have said. That's the best way I could explain it. Um, I don't do an impersonation because I don't know how to do impersonations. It's not my thing. I, uh, when I when I when I fell in love with Lenny, I read everything I could read, I listened to everything I could listen, I watched a few things I could get my hands on, and then I kind of just let it go, and I and it just is now. And Kitty Bruce uh, gave me the best compliment in the world. She said, "You know, it's the best betrayal of my dad I've ever seen." And uh, and she and I, not to get too hippy hippy dippy on you, but she and I believe like literally something else is going on in the room, and like it's kind of he's participating. So. Many of the reviews have said that I'm channeling him. Um, again, it's weird for me to talk about it, but uh, it's. I do feel like the best way to explain it is it's a 90-minute monologue, which is already nuts. You know, mm-hmm. it's just nuts. It's like walking a tightrope with no with no net. But when you do something like this, it's the hardest and the easiest thing I've ever done. And what I mean is, it's the easiest when I just get out of the way. And let it happen. And it's the hardest when I'm trying to be clever and be a, a good actor. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm going to make this acting choice. You know? um, so it, it's, I'm very proud of it. 
I guess I'm doing it right because uh, people keep coming. Uh, people who love Lenny keep coming. People have seen the show a dozen times, total strangers. Wow. Uh, a dozen times. Uh, I've been backstage, and the stage manager says, uh, listen, Tony Bennett's in the front row. Wow. Billy Crystal's here. Patty Lapone's here. Barry Levinson's here. What? What? You know, so it's it's crazy. So I guess it's going okay. Uh, yeah, so I say. And you, you talk about cultivating a, a younger audience, and look, because of Mrs. Maisel has changed that. Do you have to know Lenny to enjoy this show, or is it an education? Can I sit there really not knowing much about Lenny Bruce and appreciate the show and what he was all about? Unequivocally. I mean, most people mm-hmm. don't have any idea who Lenny was. In fact, right. my wife, who's a couple of years younger than me, we met in Chicago. She came and saw the show, and, and she she got a husband out of the deal for the $80. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> let, me guess, let me guess, you na- you renamed her Honey, because you're Method. Honey Harlow. Honey. But she, uh, but she thought, she didn't know Lenny was a real person. She thought it was like, you know, and a lot of people are like that, so... It's an education for sure, um, especially if you're a comic, too, you know, or if you're just an American or listen, they tried to shut Wendy up in the 50s and 60s, mostly the 60s. And I feel like now with the way our country is and all the shenanigans going on, I think uh, I feel like I, I feel like I get to continue the conversation on Lenny's behalf. Listen, man, we appreciate your conversation this morning, and thanks for getting up early. It's June 21 to 25 uh, at the Meridian Arts Center. And I'm, I'm assuming, it doesn't say here, but I'm going to assume you can get tickets at the Meridian Arts Center. The Titron Toronto Jewish Theatre presenting the international premiere of I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce, and Ronnie... Really a thrill to talk to you, and thanks for uh, taking some time for us. We do, we do appreciate it. Uh, listen, if I, I'm going to try and get there if I can. You know, Fred and I don't like to leave the house anymore because we're old, but, you know, it's we, listen, we might. <laughs> on, this was a special one. Come out for this. Exactly. Right on. Ronnie Marmo, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Ronnie. All right, thank there you, you go. Yeah, I, I always forget that Lenny, part of the pushback, and you, I thought that was a great question you asked about him being Jewish. Part of what Lenny got arrested for was for making jokes about religion. And you think about all the guys that came after Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, uh, Dave Chappelle, all the way to Chappelle and uh, and Chris Rock, all the guys, all of them owe that, owe that ability to Lenny Bruce. Hey, listen, you experienced a bit of that, because remember during our... Um Oh, yeah. Chocolate Jesus and Jesus Lookalike Contest. Often it would be thrown back in your face. Oh, the Jewish guy. Oh, yeah. Why is he taking shots at at our religion or Catholics or whatever? It was the Catholic, uh, what was the name? The Catholic Civil Rights League or some nonsense organization. Defense League, Defense League, something like that. Yeah. And they would they would always reference, they would never reference the show as Humble and Fred. It was always right. Fred Patterson and Howard Glassman, the Jewish guy. Uh, that was great. Before we get to the uh, retirement trip, also don't forget to send me that thing. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Arc-A-Deck? Okay, Howard, just give me a second here. I'm Take going time. to my arc Take your time. Okay? Oh, I got the uh, retirement Sherpa stuff too. Okay. Oh, yes, I sent it to you. 
Hey, uh, working with Architect, uh, you know, it's the way to go. A full-service turnkey building partner for their clients. That means they help create the, the design right down to an exacting level of detail, and that's so important. Then they make sure it gets built to your exact specification, right? Along the way, I mean, you're involved. It's fantastic. They know what they're doing. Uh, it's your backyard. It's uh it's got to be done your way. It's got to be done right, obviously. This makes it simpler for clients. Uh, they source the materials. They make sure it meets building code uh, re- uh, requirements. They uh, prepare the construction plans, apply for permits if they're needed, and they manage the job site. So uh, working with Architect ensures that you get what you want and, again, that it's done right. Uh, give them a call at 647-775-9222 or go to Architect.com. Please stand by. Please stand by. Let me tell you about Stretch Lab. I got your uh, your son and I all hooked up. Stretchlab.com is how you get started. It's pretty interesting. I was talking to Danny. Danny's a cameraman, for people who don't know. Fred's son lugs around a lot of equipment and travels a lot. And, you know, like a lot of people, it's, you know, lower back pain and... You know, stiffness. And I said to Danny yesterday, I said, you're going to love this. And I would recommend it, whether you're 35 or 65, it improves your sports performance. If you're not into, uh, you know, gymnastics, uh, even if you just want to increase your range of motion and flexibility, uh, reduce muscle and joint pain, reduce stress, proper alignment and balance through stretching helps improve overall posture and allows you to stand taller. The um the people that do it are, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. They're, they're called flexologists, and what they do is, and and you've had this done before years ago, uh, when I had my little clinic. But you know the the they they basically take you through sort of range of motion stretching, and and at the end of fifty five minutes or so, you just feel different. Lee, they're one on one stretches. And if you haven't had an assisted stretch before, prepare yourself for a great time. As I mentioned, there's a introductory offer. It's a 50-minute assessment and stretch for $59. Check it out your own selves at stretchlab.com. Here come the Sherpa. Here come the Sherpa. La-de-do-do-do. Let me get the Sherpa on here. You know, I might go. I'm looking at my schedule here. I might actually go to that Lenny Bruce thing. Uh, you know what? Uh, yes, I find it somewhat intriguing. I could be pried out of the home as well. I'll tell you when. I've got, a, I've got a night open on the 23rd, which is a Friday, because the uh, 24th and 25th I'm busy. But why don't we, uh, why don't we talk to them and maybe uh, grab the gang uh, and go I'm see? I'm not sure a Friday night will work for me. Oh, but because you're can. on a trailer. Oh, well, you know, you know. Trailer. I don't know. I don't well, know. we don't have to go together, but I think that I might uh, try and go to that night. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it would be quite something. Uh, let's not waste any more of this man's time. He's the guy who knows uh, a few things. He's got a plan. Tim Nibblet or Raymond James CA. I like to start off with that, just in case you don't listen to anything else. You should know that. He is uh, our friend, our counselor. Our Sherpa. He could be your Sherpa, too. The retirement Sherpa, Timothy Niblett. Look at him. Hi, Tim. 
Good morning there, everybody. How are we doing? Oh, very good, Tim. You know, other than the smoke. Smoke oh, from a distant God, fire. Crazy. Remember that song? Smoke from a distant fire. That's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, we take our beloved Allie. Uh, she's definitely already achieved beloved status a few times a day for a walk. And the morning one wasn't too bad yesterday. But, man, by the afternoon, was it ever smoky? Yeah. Dan uh, Duran sent me this site. I can't take my eyes off it. It's called firesmoke.ca. And it's showing the... Kind of like when you look at the weather network, wet network animated, when you'll see the weather as it moves in and out of the region. And at firesmoke.ca, you can see how this fire is kind of coming down north to south. And by the way, east to west, unusually so. From northern Quebec, but right, right through the east of us. Like, it's quite... Uh, it's a lot closer than I thought. Like the actual fires that are burning in this, and the actual uh, direction of the smoke. So, everyone needs to take care, Tim, and stay strong. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just like the PGA golfers, they got to stay strong. Yeah. Well, well listen. Uh, you, I don't know if you heard me uh, in my right. assessment. What do you think of it all? Yeah, I heard you guys talking about it. It's hard not to be fascinated by it. But yeah. uh, what an absolute mess. Yeah, so many parts of it. I mean, you you know, you're in the investment world, and there aren't very many companies that I shouldn't say big companies that aren't having some, you know, something to do with the uh, Saudis, but not in as a direct manner as this tour was. But it will be fascinating, which is a different word for interesting. Sorry, <laughs> to see what unfolds in the next couple of weeks to uh, to months. And I also feel bad, as I said to Freddie, Tim, I don't know what you think, but I kind of feel bad about the Canadian Open again, because this should be the biggest story in golf this week, the RBC Canadian Open, and it's not going to be. No, it's uh, two years in a row uh, as well, right? So uh, I'm going as a guest on Friday to the, the Open and as a host on Sunday to the Open. So uh, it'll be interesting to hear all the scuttlebutt uh, around there as a result as well. All right. Well, let's, uh, Freddie, why don't you lead us off? Uh, let's take Tim through uh, our uh, research, our notes that we've uh, compiled. Uh, great question. As we get older, uh, should your portfolio change as you get older, Timothy? Well, that wasn't for this week, but I can certainly oh. uh, think on the fly uh, <laughs> hold, here. Hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hold on. You know what? In all the, seriously, in all the appearances we do. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's right. Let me reset. Yeah, please, Fred. I said to Fred, and here's the funny thing is, I said, hey, Fred, send me Tim stuff. And That's uh, right. Oh, I clicked on the wrong thing, Timmy. I'm sorry, of course, right? Uh, You've got to value. Go we're we're going to go through Sherpa again, right? Right. Proce- right. So again, Process with the E. Yes. Amen, Brother Fred. Is this not, so- this, are we not doing this one that says back to the Sherpa process with E? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, good. That's what I just said. Okay, because I, I thought he said that wasn't the right one. What a bunch of stuff. No, the other ones. one that I started with wasn't the right one. Okay. Tim, we're back mm-hmm. on track, buddy. I said you the right one. I clicked on the wrong one. Oh, Sorry. okay, good. Proceed, Tim. Sorry. We're no, getting old. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, I mean, you guys have been at this for a couple hours today. I mean, I'm just warming up, so you can't throw me a curveball <laughs> no, like that uh, oh, yeah. so, so early. And we've been at it for more than a couple hours of our lives. You think we wouldn't be able to figure it out by now. Tim, talk about the process. E, What does E stand for? 
Well, thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, we just want to get back to the process. We did a couple uh, spots. We'll, we'll do some more. But uh, it's about evaluating changes or, or risks or opportunities uh, from your original plan. Uh, I had a super cool thing last week, super long-term client. I uh, used to work with uh, him and his uh, wife in, in the retail days, and uh, they had a potential job change coming up. And so they reached out to us and wanted to revisit their plan uh, in case the job status changed, right? Because when he went in to negotiate with, with the employers, uh, he wanted to kind of understand how continuing there, not continuing there, et cetera, et cetera, uh, would would alter mm-hmm. their plans. So it was awesome that he, he saw the value in having this to begin with and saw the importance of revisiting it kind of on the go in real time uh, for things that were, uh, you know, potentially affecting their lives quite, quite importantly. And that's a great indication of how your goals can change. I mean, on day one of setting out your plan, it could be a lot different than, you know, 5, 10, 15 years into it, obviously. Absolutely, right? Not enough people have uh, one to begin with, of course, uh, but just doing it once uh, doesn't necessarily mean you can ignore it for forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year what was a less than uh, uh, amazing year for, mm-hmm. for investments, as we've covered before, and, and most people know, uh, everybody knows if they looked at their statement, uh, we felt we added value by holding value really well, but still... Mm-hmm. If you were starting to take money out and your portfolio went backwards, do you have to kind of recalibrate things a little bit or whatever? So, yeah, you, you know, uh, client we were just talking to yesterday, they're buying uh, their business partner out. That's going to change things as well, uh, insurances as well as investments. So our, our lives uh, are probably a little less static than we'd like them to be sometimes, and you've really got to keep on top of these things. So some of the things you say that we should talk about when evaluating, uh, evaluating changes, and you've talked about you know uh, your goals changing, but you know, how about your insurance needs and your health, and these are the things that all go into this kind of uh, pot or this soup of investment uh, uh, acumen that you have. Well, thank you. And, and and sometimes people's goals change too, right? Um, we, we've had people where uh, bosses have changed and, and they're not quite certain they want to work as long as they were going to to begin with. Sure. So, uh, you know, how, do, how does that work? Uh, health, you mentioned, you know, we all know people, uh, sometimes people sitting at the end of the mics here who've had some health stuff and you've got to really consider how that affects things and what your goals are and should you get traveling more if you're having some health uh, concerns. So, you know, maybe a, an inheritance you didn't realize was going to exist does or, or one you counted on for more. Well, most people don't factor that in too much, but, uh, you know, changes on that can make a big difference also. Mm-hmm. And how you want to piece off your kids or your grandchildren, that type of thing. Absolutely, right? On our, our drive home from Florida, uh, God, feels like forever ago, but a month and a bit ago, uh, Lauren and I were just kind of having a little, does our, our will still work for us? Is that still mm-hmm. doing what we want it to do for us? Um, <laughs> our, our, our kids' lives have changed, so do we need to change how uh, we help them and how much we give to others and right. we can consider nieces and nephews and that sort of thing? I'm just curious... Uh 
you know, because I've been married, but I haven't been married for a while. Like, did who initiated the "Let's look at our wills" conversation? Was that Lorna? And did, <laughs> did, did, was there? Was there any? Were you like, why do we want to talk about that? No, no, Tim. I just want to talk about our wills and how you're feeling and your pacemaker. And <laughs> well, I still have her convinced uh, Howard that I'm worth more uh, alive than than dead. That'll so I, I've got that going for me. Well, hey, listen, man, got that. I'm glad I'm glad we got to the heart of this because there was lots of good stuff in it in the Sherpa process. And as always, I say that, you know, you know, whatever, whoever you're with now, at least have Tim get this. Listen, never hurts to have a second look. It's like a second opinion from an expert or a, a different doctor. And, you know, one of the great things about Tim and his counseling is that if, you know, if he thinks you're on track, well, he'll say so. Uh, but if you're not, this is the guy that can get you back on track, especially as you approach your retirement years. Sorry, that I, didn't, is very, very I didn't mean true. to stop uh, the car. I had nothing else. <laughs> I had nothing else after well, that. I don't know. I thought you really had it all. I, yeah, I, I think that says how, everything. How to add to uh, that, <laughs> but we we've had uh, actually just um, a, a client to be that's a longtime listener of the show. You guys know the person, but of course, I can't reveal who it is. Mm. Uh, you know, we just reached out to him again yesterday to keep the process going. So that was a nice. Uh, thing but yeah every day man we we talk to h&f uh listeners about their their plans and their realities and their goals and thankfully have had uh tons and tons of them just great people come on over and join the family fantastic fantastic well that's a great endorsement uh tim.nibblet or raymondjames.ca uh thanks for the invite to the open i'm uh, sorry i couldn't make it thank you uh for uh, your participation on this program and um Thank you for the money you contributed to my win on Saturday. I appreciate that, too. (laughs) 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 It was my pleasure. Enjoying profit there, man. Thank you, my brother. Because Tim's entry fee uh, went to part of the purse that I won in the uh, the tournament, is what I'm saying. Did we talk about that yesterday? What tournament uh, was that? Was this you and the, your partner? Yeah, we talked about Zanini. The one you were like, do you ever say, hey, oh, Zanini, right. bite hey, my Zanini. weenie? Yeah, but, yeah that, oh. that bit. You know, talking to Tim, um, uh, everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different situation. Everybody's plans change. Attitudes change. Yesterday, last night at the May Hot, uh, May Hots. May Hots. May, <laughs> May Plots extravaganza. Um, you know, we talked to an award-winning current Toronto morning man who opened up to us a bit and said, you know, man, I just thinking of retiring. I just, I'm tired. I just, I need, and then I'm thinking, man, you're riding, you're, you're on top right now, buddy. You're riding her high. Why would you think you're shutting her down? But, you know, you're tired. You well, want to go on to something else. I get it. And, you know, we, we, we said to this person who's very, very good at their job, mm-hmm. um, I don't think either of us, you, you being you mm-hmm. and me being me, <laughs> I don't think either of us mm-hmm. could do the 3.30 in the morning thing. I don't I couldn't do it. I mean, you know, I, I could. Yeah. If somebody offered us, you know, giant Roger Ashby money, maybe. But I don't think I like we, we have carved out a, a way to do what we love doing. Right. Without having to, all the trappings that go with it, and getting up schedule and on our schedule, Mm -hmm. I don't think. I mean, I admire the fact that at his age, early, same age as me, sixty three. Right. He's still doing the three thirty in the morning. Get up and do the show and speak between records. Um, I bit into a spring roll last night, a fried one, one of the fried spring rolls, and it squirted down my arm. Um, Awesome. 
inside my jacket. Nice. It was good. It didn't get on my jacket. So anyway, I went into the washroom to wash my hands and that section of my arm, and he just happened to be in there. And I told him the story about my doctor years ago when I was on him. And he said, you know, this lifestyle you lead is, is not the healthiest. I mean, how long... How long do you radio guys do this? Getting up at three o'clock in the morning and then napping during the day and going, it's just, it's not healthy. And I just related that to him. And he said, yeah, you know, it's finally catching up with me where I'm so, I'm obsessed with my schedule Mm -hmm. because I, it's tiring. Well, and I said to him too, when we were talking outside of the bathroom, I said, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, and we've all experienced this, Dan, as well, that they seem to be fascinated, <clears throat> excuse me, by getting up in the middle of the night to go to work. <clears throat> but I always say the same thing. It's not, that part wasn't as hard as the going to bed at nine. Yeah. Is to, you know, co- constantly trying to make yourself go to bed. And he, and you know, our buddy said, you know, leaving a Blue Jays game in the fifth inning, yeah. not being able to yeah. watch the end of a movie, whatever, whatever. But it was the going to bed part that I always had, I always struggled with. And uh, getting up, I would always just, the adrenaline or doing the show always. Mm-hmm. Dan, you'd have been very proud of us. Uh, we didn't get into any conflicts with people. It was, predo- it was predominantly, it was all about May Potts. It's the Rosalie Trombley Award. And uh, a lot of people that we worked with, Fred and I, a lot of women that we worked with were there. I got ran into everyone from uh, Danny Stover to Colleen Rushholm to Liz Janik, who you worked with. Mm-hmm. Scott Turner, Geets Romo. Um, His wife, Barb, was there. Yeah, Thanks fantastic. I go back with them 40 years, that's all. Well, 43 years, yeah. actually. <laughs> and May was seem, May seemed to be quite tickled um, that we were there. A touching moment, her daughter, Lauren, got up and introduced her and had a sweet little speech. Yeah. And then, and then May's... Uh, what she had to say to the group was uh, beautiful. It was really expect. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with May's speech. She had notes and everything, but she basically spoke somewhat extemporaneously for about 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. The whole evening was hosted by the new morning woman at, I think she's at Virgin, I believe. Depause her name, but Dan, I said his friend, because she's very young and excited and, and enthusiastic, you know, like we all used to be. And uh, <laughs> and she was the MC, and she was like, honestly, overwhelmingly bubbly and, and very professional. I'm not, but I said to Fred a couple times, I, I, said, I said, that woman is very, very excited about doing this. She's very excited. It's... it's um. Whenever I hear, I hear Virgin Radio, it goes back to a line I once used on my wife, and mm. she laughed, and I think I've shared it with you. Please you share like it again. Hear it again? No. <laughs> Virgin Radio sounds fucked to me. <laughs> you're, you're the Brampton Lenny Bruce. That's who you yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. They're going to come in and get me any minute now. Well, we can only oh, hope. The Brampton police. <laughs> we, yeah. we can only hope the Brampton the language police. Anyway, this woman yeah. uh, was yeah. hosting, and then uh, Theo Tan, Tam Theo from uh, Canadian Idol, uh, performed a few songs. Very good. My only complaint, the uh, fries were cold. Because I wanted to go over and eat, and he kept saying, "No, we can't eat." Now there was a lot of hors d'oeuvres being. Oh, there was eating. Him. Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't figure that out uh, yesterday. Well, thanks to Liz Janet, because Fred wrote her a, a note. I said, "Call her, send her a note, and see if we should bring her own sausages." Yeah, that was live yeah. on the air. That yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she did, and she did. Yeah. Hey, she wrote back. Quick little story. Something else made me sort of feel proud about Canada and the city. Um, 
I was I went up to get a beer and I asked uh, what what do you have and they Bud Light was one of them and I said I'm going to have a Bud Light and the bartender says to me boy a lot of controversy around this beer and I said yeah that's why I want it normally I don't drink this beer but yeah that's why I want it and he said would you like a glass and I, yeah, I said sure and he said wouldn't it be better if you didn't put it in a glass no oh, very I good said, good point. <laughs> that was a good point. But let me tell you this. I'm driving home, Howard. You know the Molson Brewery at 427 yes, and the 401? I do. Mm-hmm. They always fly a big flag, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for Pride Month, they're flying a huge Pride flag. Yeah. And I thought, pretty cool gesture. When their competition is going through, and believe me, it's had some effect in Canada. When their competition is going through what they do, and they fly that flag. I thought that's a pretty that's a pretty neat gesture I see. on Molson's behalf. I agree. And again, they probably wouldn't do that if it was the United States. But it was like, yeah, what a statement on Canada that is. Well, we're a just rivalry a, brewery. Yeah, we're just a better country. In yeah. every aspect, yeah. other than smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, we have a, uh, a wonderful conversation coming up with Brett Tanner in about, uh, I don't go, I'm going to say six or seven minutes. So let's uh-huh. get to now, today's news. To a fella named Dan Duran. Dan Duran. A guy with a hella big one. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is Dan nice Duran. Dan Duran, the anchor man comes. As for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low <laughs> My voice is nice and low That's right, boys and girls He's got a big wang, but he don't care And now, live from Lisa's house Movie anchor, star of over 60 films So he's got some experience So when he speaks, believe me People better goddamn listen. Hey, Law & Order Toronto is coming. I can see Dan Duran getting a big part in something like that. Yeah. Mm I have to talk to my agent. Give him a call. Thanks for the hit. The heads up. Dan Duran. Here's Dan Duran. Smoke. It may be worse than you think. Bum, well, there's bum, only bum. millions of Canadians with all the wildfires now. The more, more and more common, you should probably be more aware of what smoke can do to you. Mm. The comfort is PM 2.5. It's one of the three pollutants that's measured by our country's air quality health index. The others being ozone and uh, nitrogen dioxide. PM 2.5 is the byproduct of the smoke that's emitted by wildfires, fine particles of matter with a size of 2.5 microns or less. Now, you could 30 of them would be the width of a hair. So, uh, SAFE is considered 35 micrograms, one millionth of a gram per cubic meter of air. In Peterborough right now, at this moment, that number is 102. In Kingston, it's 452. Wow. Right now, what? in Toronto, in Toronto, I think it's about sixty at the moment. It's it's smoky here. You step out, you can smell it. Yeah, can you smell it? Can you? Sm- <laughs> By the way, Dan, that <laughs> site you sent me, uh, firesmoke.ca. Um, yeah. I think that's it, right? Yeah, firesmoke.ca. Fantastic. See, that's why um, you know my daughter and her uh, sweet family are second guessing going out that way like kingston 400 so yeah 
That's right out near, well, that's Prince Edward County, basically. You yeah. know, we always well, said in between Belleville and Kingston, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. we always look at those pictures of Beijing and, and places in China mm-hmm. where it's hazy and there's so much pollution. People are wearing masks. We're, we're at that level now. In fact, it's funny on that. Uh, funny. Interesting. Fascinating. It's uh, on do, that. Do, 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 do. On that. On that list of cities with the worst air quality in the top 10, not one of them was in China. China. <laughs> China. They clean China. Uh, anyway. Uh, 2.5. China, they speak Chinese, you know. They, uh, <laughs> That's right, in Chinatown. That's they, fucking, they, they like China in Chinatown. Yeah, that clip from Trump. They don't even speak yeah. English in Chinatown, said Trump. Yes. <laughs> PM 2.5 can easily sift through air passages to the depths of the lung at that size. It can also pass into the blood, causing Jesus. a system-wide inflammation that can exacerbate heart conditions and potentially cause cancers. Hey, so you, out on the golf course, wear a mask today. As you're doing your golf coursey things, that's ridiculous. I, I think it's it's tied it's tied directly to um, erectile dysfunction as well. Is it not? Well, Dave? then you better stop. You better stop breathing altogether. <laughs> you you might want to just hold your breath for a couple of <laughs> in case you got one of your sessions scheduled. <laughs> Hey, How you know, can you hold your fucking yeah, Dan, Dan could get erectile dysfunction, not even fucking notice if he gets a half a boner, it's enough. I got a bunch of them. You want some more? Oh, God damn it. Dan Duran, yeah. Dan Duran. He's got more than one story. I'll bet he does. Well, I was going to touch. I don't. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I was going to touch briefly on the uh, the uh, brand new uh, headset that's come out from uh, Apple. Yeah, from Apple. Looks cool. Did you Did you see this thing there? They're kind of like uh, look like ski goggles. Yeah, you know, I, I took a look at uh, their presentation, and you know, it's the kind of thing that would be cool to have, but not for six thousand Canadian or five thousand Canadian. Five thousand Canadian. Yeah, they're called Vision Pro. Yeah, as opposed to like eyes something. You know where you might what what, what might be of interest to Freddie and say the average dudes is like forget all the tech, forget all the computing things you can do virtually. What you can do is sit there and turn these vision goggles into a big screen television. Mm. Like so, you're sitting there on your couch watching the game or whatever, eating popcorn, right? And inside your visual field is a screen as big as you want to make it that's, mm-hmm. that's got amazing quality, right? So, I don't know, you're sitting there at home, I don't know, you're, you probably have a 65-inch television. Well, you can make the television in your eye field the size of a movie screen, or virtually that size. Isn't that wild? You know, I remember back in the 70s when big screen TVs first started. We would go get on a bus and drive to a bar and go to a bar that had a big screen that was maybe 50, 60 inches wide. Like you'd leave the home to go see a big screen. And now you can sit on your couch, put something on your head. And like who would have dreamt back then that we'd be here now? But we are. Because yeah. that 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 must be an experience to put that thing on because that's all you would see, right? Watching TV, you see the edges of the screen, even that's if right. it's sixty five inches. But to experience that, it would be nothing but action. Something. Now, I want to ask you a question, Dan, because you know I've known mm-hmm. you a long time, and you've known me a long time. Uh-huh. How quickly, when you watched any of the in- demos or you looked into this new technology? How quickly did you say, oh, this will be good for porn? 
Because <laughs> I'll admit it, one of the first things I thought of when I saw how big the screen was, I was like, okay, wait a second. So I'm going to be surrounded by all these women in yoga pants. That's yeah, well, fantastic. Well, you know what? Porn does push technology. Yes, it does. It's proven over it years. Does. It's uh, I think Isaac, In fact, Dan, I think Isaac Newton first said that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Can you imagine did. 4K POV? Oh, yes. 4K POV wearing that? Like, my goodness. Porn right pushes there. technology, said Sir That did fix your erectile dysfunction. <laughs> oh, no, God damn it. <laughs> if, that's, if that's true, I'm going to wear a beekeeper's helmet on the golf course today. I can't afford any more degradation. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, that's uh, some fire smoke right there. Hey, day, Dan Duran, ladies and gentlemen, he's here all week. Here's the—I uh, know we played this before. It's nine oh five forecast today: smoke and haze. Only a cool temperature of twenty. Cooler by the lake. Dan Duran Middays is coming next. Freddie's sports comment is on the way. And don't forget our birthday game. You left me here on Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> didn't get the call letters didn't in. Didn't get there, the did call you? letters in. I was so yeah. close. You know, you didn't have the countdown clock. Damn it. Thing, right? All right, Dan Duran, uh, we got to talk to Brett Tanner now. Well, not right. got to. We want to. So, yeah. please come back. Well, you have a little uh, good uh, Tanner talk. Yeah, we're going to have a good Tanner talk. Time for Tanner talk. Time for Tanner talk. Just wait. Well, he's gone now. He came in and he left. Well, that was it for Tanner Talk. That was a very <laughs> tiny, a very tiny Tanner Talk. Uh, Maybe Fred can uh, put together a play. Fred loves putting together playlists. He does a great job at it. Maybe you put a fire or a playlist together. You know, for yeah, small maybe. Yeah. If I can get around to that. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Tanner returns. Tanner Talk returns. Hey, Brett. Uh, Brett, let me just... Oh, there we go. I can see him connecting to audio. There's our Larry. There, there we is. go. Finally. Did you before we, before we formally introduce him? Did you see Tanner on uh, on Monday at the tournament? Yes, I did. Damn it! How's uh how's the golf swing? Because I, I know you had some. I can't remember what you got replaced. You got something replaced. Yeah, I had a had a hip done in uh, December and. Uh, Yes, yeah, uh, they they actually lengthened my leg an inch and a quarter. Come really? on, no, they 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 do that. They space it out based on how much uh, you know. And because I had the right knee replaced, I guess I was out of alignment. So that's probably why the hip wore and whatever. So they they actually lengthen it out so your two legs are are equal. Amazing. So as a has it the most important thing, obviously, of your health is uh, did it do anything to your golf game, your golf swing? How's it? Made it better? Has it made it worse? Is it a great excuse? Well, actually, I'm I'm hitting the driver further just because I can turn a bit now. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, so, you know, some of my wedges I'm catching it on the bottom third of the ball. I think because the leg's a bit higher, so I've right. got to move a little bit forward on the ball and keep remembering to do that. So I'm coming through a bit lower. Um, people, yeah, people often have both hips done. Like, will you have the other hip done? And if they do that, do they have to lengthen that leg? You'll be seven foot tall by the time you're finished. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the the, uh, the other one actually was toast as well, but uh, it doesn't bother me at all. So no. I opted to just do the one, and uh, I said, if the other one starts to bother me, so be it. But I think now that I'm in alignment, I don't think I'm putting any strain on it. So it doesn't Good for you. be 
Excellent. Uh, irritating me. So. For people who don't know, this is uh, Brett Tanner, president of Tanner Financial, and of course, for years, one of our uh, contributors when it comes to the world of the chamber plan. And, you know, I haven't spoken to Brett for a while. I certainly appreciated Brett's counsel when I was going back to Mexico. And, and uh, you know, the chamber plan, as we've talked about on this show for a long time, and a lot of people have taken us up on it, is kind of different because it's geared toward the needs of small businesses, whether that's a small business of a couple people or a hundred people. The chamber plan is renowned for its ability to, to be what small businesses need. And, the, and a small business needs things that are a little bit different, not the least of which is plans that renew at a reasonable rate. Maybe that's where we'll start today. Yeah, I mean, we, we just gone through um, yet another renewal um, the program renewed this year provincially at uh, a core renewal of 2.86%. So that may sound like, okay, well, that's kind of normal. Everybody thinks in terms of inflation that inflation is usually two or three, but they obviously they hear more in the news now with, with other things. But in the benefits world, um, it's generally a little bit higher. Health, health inflation with most programs is 10 to 15%. Dental is 5 to 10 and and that's kind of a byproduct. The Ontario Dental Association fee guide went up eight and a half percent. So it's not uncommon for people to have a good year claims wise with a regular carrier and have a 10 percent increase. Um, so, you know, we, we've got a fully pooled system for firms with under 10. So they, they have that very stable sort of renewal. They'd have gone up like the 2.86. And then we have a partial pooling system for our larger firms where they don't get dinged for, if they have a bad year, they don't get dinged for the whole amount. We, we really only put about a third of it, we pool the rest, and uh, it's a little more complicated than that, but in general, that's how it works. And uh, so that gives firms, year in, year out, some you know budget certainty. Um, and you know these days, with everything else that's going on, it's nice to not uh, get dinged. I, I kind of joke about, you know, we're, we're building a place up north, and uh, you know, we, we get quotes on jobs, then we get what we call Muskoka pricing. <laughs> That's yeah. right. It's, it's like it's 40 or 50 percent more than yeah. it would be down here. And, yeah. and oh, yeah. I used to, even Brad, I used to live, I used to get Oakville pricing. Mm-hmm. As soon as they crossed Winston Churchill, the price went up. You know, that stability is uh, huge for small business, and we can identify with that because we are members and small business, right? You know, a benefits package for a small business often is considered a luxury. It maybe doesn't need to be. But again, when you enter into something that you would consider a luxury, again, you need that stability of cost. And again, the track record of this is amazing. And that's what we say every day about the Chambers plan. Take the time to go have a look because as a small business, you can do it and you know what your costs will be going forward. Yeah, I often think too, people, uh, if they, they have either lower claims, they don't think they need a benefit plan, but because mm-hmm. it's tax deductible and it's not a taxable benefit back to them, to themselves and employees mm-hmm. of their own company or whatever, it's actually tax effective. So, uh, plus now they've got a little protection. So, um, you know, there's, that, there's sort of that part, but it's also because it's a nonprofit for, for, for businesses that have, larger claims even they, they might think oh well you know it's, it's just you know i don't want to move because i've got this larger claim or whatever but the, the reality is we have less overhead as a non-for-profit 
And, uh, you know, even if it's a larger company, 40 or 50 employees, and, and they've got some claims, they might think, okay, well, I can't, you know, I really don't have any options because our claims are high. It's not not true. We have less overhead. We will price it appropriately coming in. But, um, you know, their renewals will be far more consistent because they're going to get dinged for those claims fully where, wherever they are. Yeah, you know, and when you say the word ding, what Brett's talking about is, you know, a lot of these plans, the, the ones you were talking about where they're going up 10%, is because, and, and when you say a, a company has a bad year, what you're referring to, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you, when you have a lot of claims in a company, the insurer makes you pay more the next year. The great thing about the chamber plan is you keep talking about pooling for companies 10 employees and under. Like, that's a small business. That's like Freddie and I. We've got a couple of employees. If our costs keep going up 10% every year, we may not be able to afford uh, the benefits. And, and though even though we use these benefits, um, dental, physio, massage, all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, for the midsize and larger companies, one of the one of the biggest issues they face is, you know, first of all, if you have 40 employees, it's it's a pain to move a plan because you're not filling out three or four forms. You're filling out 40 forms. Right. So, you know, there's some hesitation to sort of go through the whole process, although sometimes they'll shop to try to keep their carrier honest or whatever. But the reality is they're in the for-profit world if they're not with us. So they're typically dealing with a renewal that's based on, okay, if you hit the target loss ratio, which is the amount that carriers allow you to pay for the premiums you're paying, they're going to give you a renewal, you know, roughly at their plan inflation, which might be 8%. But if they claimed a bit more and you have no idea i mean you're hiring you hire three employees you have no idea the spouse is diabetic Mm -hmm. you you have no idea really what your claims are going to be and you know in this world there's there's some protection for that so that if they you know end up with slightly higher than average claims and so forth in a year then instead of looking at a 20 or 30 percent renewal they might be looking at you know, we we might be more than our core increase because we do partially pool them, but maybe maybe that renewal with us is eight percent. Okay. And another thing um, that's impressive is the the products that you add. You know, while holding the line, uh, some of the mental health uh, options now are well, they're just fantastic. You know, after COVID and the times we're in, a lot of people uh, with struggles and what the Chambers Plan now offers with an app where you can actually in real time text with someone or, you know, be directed to the right people to help you uh, with what ails you. It's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. Again, because it's a nonprofit program and because it's supposed to be a benefit for members of local chambers and boards of trades, the, the, the whole sort of operation is built around providing resources for you know SMEs so so small medium businesses um, they need mental health resources and and this year the programs added through Teladoc the mental health navigation program uh, there's a whole bunch of mental health resources that are no additional charge um, and again as I keep referring to the non-for-profit part but because it's a non-for-profit even with that built into the price it's it's only the 2.86% because mm-hmm. the plan runs efficiently um, with with less overhead than most carriers. Right right off the top, you're taking away that 10% that the carrier's typically making in 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 in, in additional margins. So um, it's it's quite effective for businesses under 100 employees. It really is. I'll say, and and you know, year after year, you prove it. And now uh, a great conversation about how the the core. Uh, 
you know, rate isn't going up too much. It's certainly affordable and certainly way lower than the industry standard. Thanks, my brother. Hey, uh, an old friend of ours, I was talking to him about you. And uh, uh, Billy Hertz wants to join us for our little annual golf game. Well, that'll be a blast. Be good to see Bill. Yeah, so I thought maybe we put the four of us together. Uh, I'll reach out with you some dates because uh, I think he's in town, Freddie, as of this last couple of days. So uh, we're right. going to try and make it happen. Kind of where it all began for us years ago on the golf course. Brett Tanner, Tanner Financial, and of course Freddie the Chamber Plan. How do we get a hold of them? Uh, Chamberplan.ca. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate you, my Thanks, friend. Guys. I'm Have glad you're well. Can't wait to see you in your uh, rebuilt body. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that however you want. Yeah, absolutely, friend. <laughs> I don't, but I don't need to see any stitches or scars. All right, my brother. There's Brett Tanner. Take care. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya, Brett. Here we go. Smoke is in your eye. Dan Duran, you should have been in the platters. That would have been fun. Yes. Wear a suit with a narrow tie. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we got to go. Uh, it's been a long show. It's long enough. Long enough show for people. Uh, thanks to uh, Brett Tanner. Thanks to Tim Niblett. Thanks to uh, Ronnie Marmo, the uh, Lenny Bruce guy. And uh, tomorrow is our email show. We're going to be... Uh, Getting on that. And uh, that, of course, is uh, as always brought to you by Palma Pasta. Palmapasta.com brings you the email show each and every week. Dan Duran, uh, all the best to you. Thank you. I hope uh, everything goes well with you and your whatever it is you're up to. Well, thank you very much. I got a lot of things on the list. Oh, you got a long list and paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) That and paperwork. And you can, any time of the day, if you call Dan, you say, What are you doing? Uh, you will typically be told some paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks to uh, May Potts for inviting us to her thing. And uh, thanks to the radio industry for only partially shunning us. We'll see you on uh, Tuesday, Monday. Monday, Tuesday? Monday. 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 Good to know. Yeah. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Architect Outdoor Living, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Bodog, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and our newest sponsor, Stretch Lab Toronto, helping you improve posture and relaxation and decreasing your stress. We read all of our emails, and there's that email show coming up tomorrow. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking, subscribing, that helps us out. So does writing a review and giving us hearts and stars. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, where there's smoke, there's fire. So don't jump out of the frying pan or burn your bridges so that you can enjoy every goddamn day. Just clap your hands. Just clap your hands. Where's that?